This episode of Real Estate Real World is brought to you by Lion Desk CRM. Discover why so many people have already made the brilliant decision to switch to Lion Desk. With over 100 integrations and video, email, and texting, Lion Desk isn't just a CRM. It's everything you'll ever need in a great follow-up system. Learn why thousands of real estate professionals have already made the switch by visiting them today at liondesk.com. Use the code REALWORLD and get 50% off your first two months. No credit card is even needed to get started today. Welcome to Real Estate Real World where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host... Marguerite Crispillo. Hello, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispillo with Real Estate Real World. I do have to disclose I'm working from home today, which is the beauty I get of uh, doing this podcast from wherever. So you're probably going to hear my roosters in the background, maybe my grandson running around and my kids, but that's part of life as women and who we are, right? So today I'm very excited to have an extraordinary woman on the show today. Desiree Patno is the CEO and president of the National Association of Women in Real Estate Business, NAWRB. Along with Desiree Patno Enterprises, Inc., with over 25 years in real estate and championing gender equality, she brings insider knowledge to NAWRB's mission of advancing women and women-owned businesses in the housing ecosystem. She's also the vice chairwoman of NAWRB's Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Council that she oversees the accountability of increased women-owned and small business utilization and women-inclusive at all levels. Mouthful. Since 2010, NAWRB has brought the awareness of the diverse opportunities provided by the Offices of Minority and Women Inclusion, OMWI, established by Section 342 of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. NAWRB is honored to be one of only 11 organizations listed as a Women's Entrepreneurship Partner for the SBA. Desiree resides on the Women Impacting Public Policy, Leadership Advisory Council, and Enterprising Women Advisory Board. In 2017, she was named the highest-ranking woman and fourth overall top real estate influencer, wow, to follow by entrepreneur.com, and received the Connected Women of Influence Women's Advocate of the Year Award. In 2016, she was honored with Housing Wire's Women of Influence Award and has selected the Small Business Administration's SBA Women in Business Champion of the Year. 2012, Desiree won the prestigious Enterprising Women of the Year Award as well as Housing Wire's Women of Influence Award for the very first time. Wow, I could go on and on and on for days about all the stuff that Desiree has done, but I'm going to let her take it away and give us some great insight. So welcome to the show, Desiree. 
Thank you very much, Margaret, for having me. And I got to do full disclosure. Also, I'm at home. So if you hear my puppies in the background and craziness going on, this is what happens when women are <laughs> entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely. We work when we can, right? We just squeeze it in however we can. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you because you, girl, are on fire. You have been going crazy with all the wild stuff that you're doing. Well, same to you. I mean, it takes one to know one, as we say in the industry. Um, Yes, thank you very much. It's been something that's been a passion of mine for many, many years to make sure that women have a seat at the table and, you know, interview has that platform to allow that to happen and, and and obviously to help the growth of every woman in the in the ecosystem and cement the future for women's homeownership and women's poverty to hopefully get the, the name and recognition to get out of where we're going. So we're excited to bring this platform to your uh, podcast because it, it's, it's something of collaboration that's really powerful between the women out there that are making a difference to, you know, if you can see her, you can be here. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So, Desiree, more than anything, I really love your story. Tell us a little bit about your background. Like, what led you to have this passion for women and women's causes? What brought you here today? Um, Well, it's very interesting. It's a very different background. I was born into a family where I have an older brother and younger brother. I have four boys myself that are 32 to 20. And it was very much an impact when I went to school. Everything I did pretty much had always boys. There was never a girl. I was always the lone girl that was out there, whether I was playing water polo, whether I was in math and calculus, whether I was playing, um, you know, doing construction, whether I was out there, you know, when my parents um, had a home that it was originally 1,700 square feet, and we built it up to almost 15,000 square feet. And so the idea was is that when we were going out interviewing people, there was never women contractors. There was always the men. Um, and so I dealt with the men wherever we went. When we were um, champion, everything we did as a child, my mother was like, you know, you need to get out and do it. I mean, there's a funny story at three years old. Um, people don't realize that my mother believed that underfed rats live longer than overfed rats. So if you wanted to eat, you had to fend for yourself. So she had this saying that I was born very ill. I had, uh, I'm allergic to sugar, wheat, and milk. And so she would put in the bottom shelf, she would put fruit out. And so the idea is that I was tall enough, because I'm six foot tall by the time I was 13, um, that I could open up the refrigerator on my own. And so whatever fruit was laid out on the bottom shelf was for me to eat. So if there was, you know, lettuce, there was, you know, different kinds of apples and oranges, and there was um, different kinds. Sometimes there would be, um, you know, uh, meat there, but that was not raw, obviously cooked. But the idea is that was my way of eating and surviving because um, she did not cook, and she did not believe in packaged food. And so people were like, huh? So I learned very young to fend for myself and take care of myself. So fast forward, um, we got into building homes, and so it was, I was the only girl, and so I would run the foreman for the contractors literally at 11, hiring and firing the people, and they'd have to prove to me what would go on. So fast forward now going into water polo, only girl in the entire league. Fast forward again, get into real estate, and I wanted to make a difference. I was, you know, I saw these beautiful women that had, you know, everything. They had the fancy cars. They had the fancy jewelry. They had all the stuff. I thought, you know what, I've been in the programming world and the computer technology for so many years. Let me see my hand at real estate because, you know, we built so many homes. We were part of it. You know, I could do this. So when I got into it, 
I real I saw very quickly I'm very much a corporate girl versus in a one-on-one girl. And so I got in the corporate arena and I saw that there were so many men. So I realized very quickly that I needed to see what we could do to get more women to the table. So hence, InterDB was formed because um, I very much was a specialist in the relocation and then went into when the foreclosure crisis came around um, in 2007, 2008, I realized that this is never going to go away. We were always going to have a new market for real estate and I'll never go back to being simply put a sign in the yard, see who can, you know, have the best advertising and sell the property. There are a way of doing business was never going to go back to being a different, to, you know, new platform. And it was always going to be evolving. So hence, the NRB was formed. And my, our goal initially was to get as many brokerages involved to, that were women-owned in the playing field for handling foreclosures, handling the corporate arena for the hedge funds and everything else. And we quickly learned within six months that it was a bigger thing than this. It wasn't just, as you know, selling a property. It's not just the brokerage, your appraisers, your CPAs, your attorneys, everything that works in that industry um, would be affected. You would not be able to, you know, sell a home or sell a building or sell a industry. So NRDB evolved real quickly into the National Association of Real Estate Businesses um, versus just the brokerages. And from there, um, it, it has expanded. And the reason I got into the women's movement was I wanted to make sure that I was not told, hey, women, you know, you know, you're dealing with foreclosures, you know, you're dealing with some of it. What if they pull a gun on you? You know, what happens if they get physical with you? What happens if, you know, that, you know, they talk mean to you? And how can you crawl underneath a roof and under a house, you know, and, and how can you walk with high heels and dirt and climb a roof? You know, you're a lady, you, you know, you can't dress like that when you're showing property. All that stereotype was enough to make me just, you know, get tighter and tighter and climb. And my mind just said, nope, I'm sorry. This is what I've done my entire life. Don't tell me I can't do something that I know I can do. I've done, you know, my entire career. So um, since I was born. And so finally that's how it, 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 it provoked me to get even stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's really the reason why NRB started. Um, and from there it's grown into something more than I could have ever imagined um, taking on the, the, I don't like the word use empowerment. And it's overused. Uh, the way of advocating, bringing the awareness, and most importantly, showcasing the tools and opportunities that there are for women-owned and women-inclusionary, hence the word diversity and inclusion, um, in our industry. And that if I can give you an organization that can showcase opportunities, the toolkits, and where you can say no is not an option in your vocabulary, and that there's ways around to get to where you want to go, whatever that dream is, um, that's what we're here for, is to make sure it happens. And with that, it's actually saved my life and all the, the obstacles that I have to endure the last five, six years. You know, it's interesting because, uh, first of all, I remember meeting you because I had to get into the REO world, too, back, you know, I mean, that's where the market was. That's, we had families to feed, you know. Right, right. So, Went, went into that REO world, and I remember meeting you because you definitely stand out. You're, for those who haven't seen her, she's tall, beautiful redhead. Um, and uh, you, you stand ahead above the rest, literally. Uh, and she always dresses to the nines uh, and doesn't care about high heels. So I love that. I love that you stand out. And uh, I always remember seeing you at these events going around, and 
you know, I, I remember thinking the same thing when I kind of got into the REO world is it was kind of like this good old boys network, right? And thinking, wow, how am I going to be able to push through to get into this industry to be able to survive this crazy market? And then as I really started looking around at the real estate industry as a whole, the fascinating thing is that 65% of the real estate agents across the country are women. And typically they are women between the ages of 40 and 60. But ironically, the majority of the leaders and the brokers and the trainers and the coaches are all men. I mean, literally 90% or more of you know, our top leadership around the country in the real estate industry are men, our leaders at NAR, our leaders, you know, at most of our national and state level. Um, and that's starting to change, but it just doesn't feel like it changes enough. And, you know, I, I was trying to think about this a little bit as to why this may be in some aspects. And, you know, for the majority of women – well, I'll give you a brief story that I think is interesting um, that I was talking to someone one day. When a man goes, and, and not all situations, of course, we have um, situations that are not like this, but in the majority of situations, when a man goes out and works and runs a company, he also has a wife, right? And in mm-hmm. most situations, yeah. that wife, even if she is working full-time, takes care of the majority of the stuff at home make sure kids get dentist appointments, make sure, you know, the shopping is done, make sure that the house is taken care of and all these things in addition to going to work if, if she's working a full-time job. But for women, we are we don't necessarily have a wife at home <laughs> or a husband <laughs> at home who takes care of all of those things, right? So, like, right. I mean, I have a wonderful husband, don't get me wrong, we've been together 31 years and, and he does a lot. But he doesn't randomly think to make a dentist appointment for the kids, right? He will go to the grocery store and he'll buy exactly what I put on the list. And I remember having this conversation with him one day. He's like, well, if you just give me a list, I'll do it. And I said, well, who makes a list for me? (laughs) Nobody gives me a to-do list or a task list of the things that we have to do. So there's a different, and not all, I don't want to have people calling the show and, you know, getting upset and saying that that's, but in the majority, in the majority of situations, um, when these top men are running the show, they have somebody behind the scenes taking care of stuff. For most women, our challenge is we don't have that person behind the scenes uh, taking care of all of these things. So it restricts us somewhat. It limits us to be able to get out there and do more than we currently do. Well, absolutely. And so the thing is, is that, Marguerite, is people have to realize that women are wired. I mean, it's been it's been proven time and time again that women are wired differently than men. And it's like, you know, we are a multitasker. It's been proven time and time. And the bottom line is, is that we take it for granted that sometimes other people are like us that would do this. And so... Um, because we're multitaskers, we just feel like, you know, we can we can do it all. We're superhuman. We can burn the candle at both ends. And at the same time, you know, we've we've society has, you know, um, put that burden on us. A lot of people don't realize that there's 5.2 million 
stay-at-home uh, moms, where there's only 199,000 stay-at-home dads. You know, so that number is so skewed. And when you take into consideration all the data points out there, women work longer, women work, you know, multiple jobs, women get paid less, you know, women pay more for their personal products than men do, women actually get charged more for their loans. Um, you know, it's like you're, you were working at, at such a higher octane than our counterparts, and then at the same time we're running more systems in place to get it done. And so hence the efficiency. And so it's it's very interesting you say that because it's becoming a very common place for me to hear, um, I don't have a life at home. You know, like, <laughs> okay, so it doesn't matter what the gender is on the other end. I don't have a wife because the wife is the one who does all the stuff that we've come so accustomed to. Um, exactly. And so, <laughs> right, right? Um, and so we've realized that, you know, we're not, you know, as as a as a collective group, um, you know, in the gender equality, you know, we we don't want to be perceived as feminists. We don't want to be perceived as, you know, knock on the on the desk and say, give me, give me, give me. It's all about we just want to see at the table so we can be heard because then you can address our symptoms, our causes, and our, our issues that we see from our perspective. You know, it's not that we're right. It's just that we'd like you to take into consideration how we feel how we're enduring and what we're going through because if you don't hear what we're physically enduring and hence we have that same issue, you know, you're in the REO or you've been in selling foreclosures, um, you know, I've sold over 6,000 in my career and the idea is that what happened at upper management and what they thought was going on or what they can dictate to what really was going on on the heels on the ground for us brokers or realtors who were selling the properties um, and what we endured I sat on so many of those meetings saying, you know, wait, 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 you got to connect because this is what's happening on this world and this is what's happening in the top world. That conduit between you is broken. We need to connect and mend because if you understood what we went through and we understood what you were going through, we would have a better relationship. And I spent the better career of 15 years of the 27 years doing um, foreclosures to get that connection um, and make it better. And I'm very happy to say that through that process, I started seeing and meeting the issues at hand, you know, how many women were really making decisions, how many women were really at the table, and what kind of lip service was really being, you know, what was the front, you know, like the old joke, when you go out on a date, you get all gussied up and you go out there and you're really not acting like you because you don't want them to see really what you look like or really how you act on your downtime. Um and so I got to see people in their realness without being a facade as a spokeswoman or as a spokesman, you know, of a major corporation and vice versa, how, how a person was acting on their best behavior as a broker to, you know, trying to attract talent. Um, I got to see behind and really get to see the uh, behind the veil, and I didn't like what I saw. And that's when I started calling it out. So I took it upon herself to just literally strip the, the, the front and say, hey, Y'all need to talk, and, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Get together, and let's let's make this a better place for all of us because the community grows, the consumer base grows, um, the bottom line business opportunities for the co corporation grows, and all, all, all the way around, it's just the right thing to have more women at the seat of the table and, and most importantly, allow us all to enjoy the opportunity of, of developing a better 
company culture and give back to um, the gender equality movement to have a seat at the table. Um, and it, it's, it's been a real exciting, obstacle driven, you know, scenario, yeah. but we're doing it. And, and that's why I'm so thankful to have this opportunity to, to really connect and get more women and men to understand this is about a, a community to coming together and, and, and sharing it. You know, we had that, you know, we talked before we went on air about um, the Women Up first time ever here in California that, or anywhere in the United States, in fact, I was telling Sarah and Leslie about this, that first time ever in the United States that actually a the realtor state level has done something, because the, the National Association hasn't done it yet, that they actually did something that was eccentric to women, brought it together and say, we're going to have a bunch of women broker owners get on stage and talk about different issues. And the thing that I talked about, they asked me to talk about, was my life, how, you know, what obstacles I went through, like my my son having acute leukemia, my husband losing 70% of his blood, um, having multiple operations at the same time. Well, the number three is they come in threes, was is that I had a bank steal $550,000 from me. Um, and, you know, people were crying, people were really emotional, but um, at the end, we got a standing ovation with the three women. You know, I got to see it on a, on a panel where, you know, I thought I was, you know, long-term, 27 years. They were 54 years and 52 years in the business. And I went, oh, okay, I'm, the, I'm a newbie on the other side of the world. Um, <laughs> really, you know, I'm like, okay. And then when you talk about looks, um, you know, the, the Evelyn is 84, and her son was the president of CAR in 2012, and, you know, flawless skin. And I'm just like, seriously, 84, and you have to have flawless skin, and I'm going to be 57, and never mind. So <laughs> not fair. Um, but anyway, um, she, it was just, it was so wonderful to see that there was other women that truly believed and didn't know, and were you know that were having you know um, physical, men uh, physical, mental, financial, you know life obstacles come after them, and to see you know my story is not the worst, it's not the it's not the best, um, it's okay because we all have a story, and for them to see how freely I gave the story, you know, and we talked about this too that you know I speak about it probably 30, 40, 50 times a day. So after five years, it's become okay. But I still have my hours and moments and days where I just want to curl on a rock. But the idea was is that they could share in that it's okay. You know, and I have the saying that I'll never, I'll never forget the day I die. My son, who, who, had, who, who went through the leukemia treatment, who was worried about his father dying before he and, you know, this and that and trying to combat and, he had to keep me strong enough to deal with both of them, having both my parents pass and everything. He says, Mom, he says, any day that you can smile is a day worth living. And I had to just stop in my moment and look at him without saying a word and look straight in his eyes and just start crying because I was like, here's a dude, you know, going through all this, my son, and I'm just like, and I'm sitting here, you know, stressing out about this and that and money and who's doing what to who and whether I can get everything done and what's going on with his brother and, you know, his older brothers and how come this is not happening and people at work are, you know, freaking out because I'm never there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was just like, it's okay. 
life will continue. You just got to take care of yourself. You take care of yourself. You can take care of other people. And that's what he meant by, you know, life's worth living by having a smile. And I thought, he's got his act. He, he had all of it. And, yeah, isn't, um, it, isn't it interesting, you know, out of the, out of the mouths of babes, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful. At, well, so, you know, they talked about, you know, we all talk about sisterhood. We talk about our group of friends. We talk about how, you know, great family is. We talk about how, you know, you pull from support. Here my support was my own son, not my parents who had passed, not my relatives that are very distant except for my brothers. And there, hence I have some, uh, we're very strong-willed, each one of us. Um, and I, it was relying on myself. I didn't have my husband. I didn't have anyone else other than taking care of them. That was my whole, whole life focus. And yet to have my own son, it'd be my, my rock at Gibraltar was like, not to steal a you know, prudential quote, uh, quote, but it was like, oh, my gosh. And so to this day, you know, I pull from that, and then now I can relate to my parents and say, what would my dad do? What would my mom do? Um, and my mom was very, 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 very strong woman. And my dad taught me no is not in my vocabulary, and I'm not allowed to take um, no as an answer on anything I do. And to this day, I credit my foreclosures. I credit my life history between my parents um, to save my son's life. Had I not moved him to the right hospital, had I not been there in the face of every doctor knowing and learning what's going on, um, and, and and finding out everything about cancer, finding out everything about my husband's disorder, um, I now am an advocate for the City of Hope, and I now can articulate what why they did what they did to me, why they um, do what they do, and most importantly, um, I can go out and help um, mitigate the emotion and help save other people's lives because... Um, I, I, I now know why, you know, I do. I mean, they don't tell you you go through six and a half years um, to save your son on on uh, chemo treatments and treatments and follow-ups and everything else. They told me it was a two-month process. They didn't lie, but it was that cycle was two months. Oh, you have four cycles exactly. that are two months. Oh, then, oh, you have another year of this. Then you have another year. Had they told me everything because of my personality, I would have probably just crashed and burned right then and there and couldn't handle it. So, yeah, I mean, those are the things that I want to share with this audience. It's this powerful stuff. You know, and and I don't think that people always realize what goes on behind the scenes. You know, I know, um, as you know, I, I had a son who passed away when he was 10 years old after having a bone marrow transplant um, yeah. at the University of Minnesota. And so we, you know, in being in the real estate business, we had to walk away from our business and move to Minnesota for six months to take care of our son. And this was back in 1997 when we didn't have, you know, the internet like we have now and all those things. Right, you right. Know? And you just have to keep forging through. And, you know, one of the things that I know that you are extremely passionate about and, and is hits close to home for me is women in home ownership. I grew up with a single mom, you know, and she had three kids trying to raise them and, you know, moving around from place to place because we kept, you know, getting kicked out of rentals and things like that. And life-changing for her was when I was about 12 years old was she was able to figure out how to buy a home. And, I mean, we're talking this was, you know, 1975 or 76. 
Uh when, you know, in many situations, women were barely even allowed to buy a home. (laughs) You know, we we think that that was, you know, a lot of years ago, and it wasn't that far back, but it was life-changing for her. And I think that the number one reason why women especially, people don't buy a home is because they don't think they can. Like, they don't know what the options are. And you've been such a huge advocate for women and ownership. And, and you have some statistics, I think, that talks about that, do you? Yeah, I do. And before we go to statistics, I'd rather, I, I think the emotional piece of it, I think is more powerful than actually the statistics. The the piece that I really would love to, to address is the the fact that there are actually women in 2017 that that don't even, 2017, I should say, not 2000, um, go back a few years, yes, is, is that they don't even dream of home ownership. Um, and in today's world, that's just a, just mentally just, it eats away at my heart because, you know, the FDIC just had an economic um, uh, summit, the first time ever for an economic inclusion summit. And do you realize that 7% of the United States population has never utilized a bank ever? Wow. 27% of the um, United States um, citizens have ne- are underutilized in banking. So they're underbanked, they call it. And so when you put that in perspective um, and you deal with the homeless, you deal with the women who are uh, live in poverty, 29% of the women that are single head of households that have children live in poverty. 29%. Yet you never hear that statistic, um, and you hear in, in Los Angeles County, it actually went up the poverty level of women, um, single women with children, and that well, can't happen. That needs to know, go down. And so, you know, I had a really interesting conversation with someone one day, a woman even. I was kind of surprised, and she was like, "Well, you know." Uh, women just, you know, they just need to, like, go get a job. Like, these homeless women or these women in these situations or women escaping a violent environment. Like, I just figure it out and I just get out there. And I'm like, well, it, it sounds easier than it is, right? I mean, especially if you've got children and you're trying to raise children and, you know, you go get a job that is even minimum wage. By the time you pay for daycare, you have no money left to pay rent or pay for food. Exactly. Most people don't realize that the people who live under the bridge, like the biggest homeless pack here in California is in Santa Ana, and people don't realize that a lot of those people work during the day and they have no place to sleep at night, so hence their camp is their place that they bunk, and yet they work during the day. Um, And the other people, most people don't realize that when you go to a homeless shelter, that the husband or the male of the family is not allowed to stay in the homeless shelter. There are very exactly. few homeless shelters. They have to be separated because they feel that there's a threat between the man a man being gender being in the homeless shelter. So um, you know, it's, to yeah, talk it's about insane. And so you know, so so what are some of the things that you are working on in the organization? to help change some of the uh, opportunities for more women, number one, for women to have opportunities at jobs and positions um, that have previously been uh, dominated by men, right? And Mm -hmm. then opportunities to help educate women about the opportunities that are available for them in the real estate industry and home ownership industry. I know for me, 
getting into real estate, life-changing. Like, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I could make the kind of money that I've been able to make and be able to have the opportunities to have flexibility of my time and a number of other things. I could never have done what – I mean, I didn't even go to college, so I don't have a college degree, you know? So Marguerite. <laughs> no, and I – you know what? It, to be – be told, I have an associate's degree. I came within a couple classes to get my bachelor's. I have a, a minor in in, um, in math and accounting, so a community science and accounting. So I'm completely, you know, endorsed. Here we are, both of us. You know, not neither one of us uh, have a bachelor's or PhD or, or a master's. So what we're doing, Enter2B is doing, is is that we are the housing ecosystem. So when you talked about previously about the home ownership, is that falls in the middle of the ecosystem. So you start the C-suite position. You've got to get more women at the table, the boardroom table we're talking about, to get them in there so they can help bring their experiences, um, good and bad, to help develop through all the women's channels there. Secondly, you have to deal with the impact of diverse spend, which has to do with your business ownership. So Marguerite, you own your business. I own my business. So we're, we're called our women-owned businesses even though we might be a woman versus a women-owned, singular versus plural. But the idea is, is getting more women-owned businesses in the trenches versus public entities or um, male companies that are owned. And then from there, we champion the women's home ownership. And the value add of the women's home ownership is, is that getting those resources out there to, you know, getting uh, uh, women to understand that there are opportunities to get loans out there, their grant assistance programs, like we found a uh, program that there's actually six grants you can get up to um, for, in addition to the main loan, to actually buy a home. So, I mean, those are programs out there that are hard to find, but they are out there, and we can get more awareness to get more women that are working. But the idea is, is that by increasing those number, women are buying homes faster than men, number one. Number two, more women are graduating um, than men. We are graduating with a higher education. So hence, our pay is going up. Even though we're underpaid, the pay roll for them is going up because the salaries are going up. So hence, they're buying more expensive homes. Um, so that's a beauty thing. More women are opting to go to work versus in stay-at-home moms. Um, so that whole dynamic of how you as a real estate professional, I as a real estate professional, how we interact with women that are single head of households because time is sometimes more valuable than money, um, and especially in the homeless or the uh, um, poverty, um, you know, the uh, living in poverty women, um, time is such a precious thing to them. Even though money is also exceptionally precious on, you know, having food at the table, that time working two or three jobs, let's say, still not being able to afford to live in a, in a building or having to deal with a homeless shelter, you know, where do we take the little ones? You know, do we have uh, facility care that's going to be proper for them? You know, what do we take for the, the medical insurance or lack of um, standing, you know, four hours in line to go get that taken care of? So that whole thing is what Enterdivy is about. It's getting the awareness, the dynamics of getting the collaboration of, of, up, of um, organizations, of community outreach, um, all in the same bucket. What this will do is help curb the home, women's um, um, poverty. There's no other organization or entity that's even talking about women's 
poverty on a national level or women's home ownership. So we're all about getting those numbers better in check because the more we can get the awareness of the programs out there, the advocacy for helping this um, movement will be nothing short of fantasticness of of collective you know, awareness. Because what did we talk at the very beginning of, a, of your session? Women are multitaskers. Women have this platform of able to connect the dots. Well, we need to help those poor women who have been, you know, displaced from, you know, a victim of divorce or, 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 or um, you know, abuse or, you know, or stay-at-home moms who never had a career. How do we get them into the work environment? Um, because they're very able. It's just that they never had the skill set to do it because, you know, they were, they, they, they were running a business, which was being mom. So let's fast forward five years. What is your greatest wish, your your vision for what this will look like in five years from now? My wish in five years is, is that there's no women that will not know of the opportunities that are pressed forth in front of them. We can actually raise the number of women-owned businesses that are getting contracts we can raise the number of women's home ownership so every woman has the opportunity to have a better handle of what they can do to aspire and to have a light at the end of the tunnel, that they can see that there's hope. Um, if we can help save through the awareness of what we deliver, a child through, um, uh, you know, that 40% of all adults are going to get cancer, some form of cancer, it's not if, it's when, what we can do to help them be able to be strong on their own, that, you know, they can deliver, they are having confidence, and through that develop the um, growth of home ownership and having the security. To me, home ownership is about having a safe place to raise my children, you, you know, cohabiting with another single woman with children, you know, all that awareness of giving that, you know, at the end of the day, knocking on the door and say, we did it. We were able to communicate. Now, if they choose to exercise it, that's their prerogative. But to get it out there so it's a common um, arena that they know that exists, I'd be in heaven. Well, I think that that is a powerful dream and is completely doable and possible. I mean, I, I think back, like I said, when growing up with my mom and We've really come a long ways. I mean, it doesn't feel like it sometimes. I know we have a long ways to go. But I think about the opportunities that I have versus the opportunities my mom had just, you know, 40 years ago. And, you know, I'm inspired to believe that things are going to continue really on that trajectory. Now, I know you do an annual conference that's coming up too, and this thing is gotten off the hook and is extremely powerful and I'm really excited to be a part of it and and listen to uh, what you have coming up. So tell us about the conference that you have coming up. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that our conference is, it's July 16th to the 19th. Again, that's July 16th to the 19th. It's in Costa Mesa, California. So we have the beautiful coast of, of right across the street, Newport Beach, um, with the ocean, great, beautiful weather. And what we're going to do is, is that it's, um, the conference is about, um, it's called uh, Women's Nexus, sorry, Interviews Nexus Conference, the center of the source, the um, 
resource, and it's, it's Women's Collaboration for the Future. So basically what it's, it's about is we have government, several government entities coming out from uh, Washington, D.C. It's the regulatory bodies. It's the people who give you the oversight. We are called the ombudsmen. They're the ones who actually uh, fight for um, different issues that are there for you for free services. Um, we have the CFUB, the FHFA, all that. Then we also do the business opportunity resources. We are we also do we're going to do some phenomenal panels on women's home ownership. How to deal with that? What's required? What are the different heart and soul of the women who are buying the homes? What they like? What they don't like? What the tendencies are? In addition to which, I think is one of the most pivotal things that we're doing is we're teaching the real estate professionals on not how to just buy and sell a property, no matter what kind of property it is, is how to have contracting, what we call procuring contract opportunities that go from one year to five year, to have like more a salary-based income, where instead of you think you made money in real estate, you know, you, you can make millions and millions of dollars in doing procuring contracts to supplement and continue to do that and have teams do whether you're doing selling your properties and things. So with that all being said, um, we are uh, providing a platform to showcasing women. We have a Roaring 30s, which are the women that are very successful in the industry in all different technology, um, from you know people running multi-billion-dollar um, mortgage companies to um, you know that are doing incredible advocacy work on the home, homeless, the women's home ownership uh, platforms. Um, and then our theme this year is dressing as a female hero. So you come, you know, my hero is Mother Teresa. I'm not quite sure how I dress like that. Uh, <laughs> that out. Um, so I'm, I'm, re I'm rethinking this one, saying I could have a picture. I'm not sure. Um, and you're going to come, and your husband, your fabulous husband's going to be doing karaoke to break the ice yep. to get everyone in the mood. Um, so I'm very excited fun. about that. Um, but basically, these are the executive of the executives that are in the industry. It's like no other conference. Um, and we're having roundtables to where you can actually sit and talk to the actual people who are giving procuring contracts, who have procuring contracts to give. Millions of dollars of procuring contracts were uh, our direct result of our conference last year. Several people, um, business owners and um, uh, individuals, got vendor relationships that got put into networks that they never had been in networks before or were renewed that were in before but had expired and got re-integrated, re-upped um, re into it. So it is truly um, an intimate kind of conference. Um, I'm going to be teaching you um, the, my specialty, which is one of the things that is a highlight. Um, you talked about me, um, you know, traveling around the United States and speaking. Um, I am a... Um, a definite, if I could say, uh, uh, pat myself on the back, is I do know how to shop exceptionally well. I am an expert, expert shopper um, that I buy at pennies on the dollar. So I can teach you how to buy ten or $15,000 outfits for literally 200 bucks, or a $500 outfit for $5. I will teach you the industry trade on how to buy, where to buy, when to buy, and what to look for in buying so you can have outfits that last 15, 20, 30, 40 years and look like they were brand new off the shelf. Um, that's, we're going to have a couple hours of that, and we're actually going to go to stores and buy. So I'm very excited about that. A little different than doing a day salon. Duh. Um, exactly. And then also, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we talked about the certified delegate spokeswoman, which you are. Um, our last day is going to be dedicated, which is uh, – 
tacked on to the back of the conference um, is going to be a full day of certified delegate spokeswoman training. Um, it's a very tough and vigorous class um, to where you have to have 100% pass or fail grade to get the designation. We're going to have three certified delegate spokeswomen on one panel and then three um, women's coach trainers on another panel to talk about self-confidence, to talk about what the value is of being on a panel versus in just talking to the attendees, um, how you can leverage that and expand your business just by getting to network with these people um, on a much bigger scale um, for the rest of your career, not just being that one time. Um, and so the, the impact of what we're bringing to the table um, for our conference, again, that's July 16th to the 19th, is truly collaborative. Um, we have several CEOs from major corporations um, coming to speak about, um, again, these are uh, women, a majority of women, a few men, and economic for, uh, future. We have a global, um, we have a lady coming that's coming back that talk about the global impact with the administration from, you know, a, a uh, administration that was all about um, uh, government that had no work, role of work experience to a, an administration that has so much work experience but has no government um, experience. So very, very different dynamics and how you know to know the leverage on what to utilize to help grow your business in the different climates. Um, so we're really excited about the, the quality of content that we have every year um, and the impact that it brings on your business. Yeah, I'm very excited to be a part of this and looking forward to the conference. So I think it's going to be be very powerful, lots of great input, insight, and opportunities for more women. I mean, it's going to be incredible. So if you have yeah, interest in attending uh, the conference, you can go to nawrb.com, and there's lots of information about the conference and about really what, NAWRB is doing to really get women at the table. It's it's pretty powerful. Well, thank you. Yes, yeah, under the events calendar, if you look in the events, and it's um, subset conference dash 2017 or 2017. And uh, love to have everyone there. I want to reiterate, it's not just for women. Um, everything that we do for women and women-owned is applicable to minority small businesses. As we all remember, there's 30 million small business owners across the United States. So the impact is, is that no matter what uh, part of the real estate, uh, the housing ecosystem, we call it, industry you're in, from title escrow lenders, contractors, training CPAs, um, ditch diggers, you know, the whole impact um, is, is that if you're a small business owner, um, we'd love to have you come. And as a side closing note real quick, uh, Marguerite, uh, we currently have a promotion going on right now. If you've never heard of this SBA or what a NACE code is, National, Association, National uh, Industry Standard um, Classification Codes, um, then the, you want to go to our website and apply for that. We are going to be honoring the top 50 NACE codes that are out there for um, classification. And what they are is that what classifies you in the small business is the first time anyone's ever done this throughout the small business arena. So it's a percentage of what your um, – the ratings get based on this percentage of your small business class. So you could be a $50 million company and still be a small business. And there's other classifications that only $2 million would be a small business. So the idea is, is that we want to collectively put together – because those procuring contracts need partners. 
you might be, you know, if you're a, you know, Marguerite, you're up there, I'm down here. I could partner with you to put together a contract that is for the state of California that's selling um, eminent domain, like the rail system that's going from your place, Sacramento, down to San Diego. That's a $10 billion contract. They need people that are working together to get that done, whether it be minority women-owned. So those are things we want to see and hear everyone that come to our conference. You want to get involved in this. You want to see what's going on. You want to take the leap of faith like the REO um, community did because we didn't have – what was an REO? Who knew how to turn on utilities exactly. or, you know, <laughs> or, 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 or do a BPO? What was that You know, back in the early 90s? Um, you just winged it, and this is what this, this is about. This is teaching you how to get not to be, oh, my God, it's too much for me. It's a step-by-step yeah. in there. So please make sure you get involved because there is no other conference like this. And trust me, we made history multiple times over, and everyone just walks away just floored on the value add that they get out of it. Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Desiree. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always get such great insight and inspiration from from spending time with you, and I'm looking forward to the conference. So, again, if any of you are interested, head on over to nawrb.com. You can click on events and attend that conference and spread the word. We need more great, extraordinary women to participate, to be leaders. Thanks and help and inspire. We need you. We really do. Thank you very much for Marguerite, and keep killing it. All the wonderful things you're doing with your brokerage and all the things that you are aspiring to teaching and education with your podcast because this is what it's all about is spreading the collaboration between women's organizations, women themselves, on supporting each other because it's so desperately um, uh, nurtured and loved in the community of making sure that we have a seat at the table. So thank you very much, and, and have everyone on the call have a fabulous day. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Desiree, and thank you for all of you out there listening to Real Estate Real World, where we get to talk to all of the amazing movers and shakers in the real estate industry. Be sure to head on over to iTunes. Give us a great review. It helps us move up in the rankings. You can check us out again on iTunes, and you can check us out on Podbean or head on over to Real Estate Real World. Again, thank you for joining us today. Go out and make it a great day. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.